And now for part two of uh, our Christmas holiday special, uh, we pick up where we left off, um, talking about movies. Um, so sorry for the break, but uh, we'll get back to you next week. And now this week's edition of Pajangers and Wallhangers with Chris Bristow, Jim Leahy, and Chris Leahy. Enjoy. And even after Spider-Man, which is Spider-Man is July. So you have to wait from July to November. And after Thor is finally the Justice League. And that's All November right. 17th. So in between oh, there, where right is episode after. 8 falling? What's that? In between there, where is episode 8 falling? Episode 8 will not Deadpool. December. Black Panther. Yeah, another December yeah, release? December. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's another December release. That's I think that's what they're they're doing at this point. Yeah, it's like, it's like in just saying no. Because I mean, these I'm looking at this this these list of movies takes me into 2018. Like you have the Justice League, which is November 17th, seven of 2017. Deadpool two, January 12th, 2018. Black Panther, February 16th, 2018. Flash, March 16th, 2018. Avengers: Infinity War, May 4th, 2018. So, so let me so to touch on Deadpool. Do you know that Ryan Reynolds is trying to get Hugh Jackman to play one more iteration of Wolverine yes. because he wants him to play in the Deadpool movie? That'd be yes. great. They want a mashup, and I think that would be fantastic. I mean, after he does the Logan movie, he's his contract's up with uh, making the X Men movies, right? Yeah. So he's a free, he can do that. He can cross over and do that, and then he would be able to be. Uh, allowed to be in the Marvel universe. Yeah, but he wouldn't. I think he's done. But what they did say is the next X Men. If they do an X Men reboot, Deadpool will be in it. Ryan so Reynolds Ryan Deadpool. Reynolds Deadpool, yes. Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, yes. Why would they reboot X Men again? Though they have, they already have. Them. Well, the timeline. Well, because there's different timelines. Because now you can have any timeline that you want. That's the thing. Like, after Days of Future Past is when they realize that there's different timelines. This just so happens to be the timeline that they're in now. Apocalypse. Right. Apocalypse. And then... Which you know, I wish that movie would have had a little bit more, you know, meat to it. Oh, yeah. That was such, such a disappointing movie because they played that up so much. There's oh, there's so many movies. God. This is so amazing. Black Panther, Flash... Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man Wasp, Untitled Fox Marvel Movie, Aquaman, Spider Animated Spider-Man Film. No way. That's animated Spider-Man Film, December 21st, 2018. Untitled Batman Reboot. Untitled Marvel Fox Movie. Probably X-Force. Captain oh, Marvel. Shazam. Batman. Bat- the Batman. So The Batman. I'm Batman. So speaking of Batman, so I know your, I know your Joker and Gotham is coming back. Yes, I saw. I love that. it. Now I I have a vested interest in you know, you know the actor that plays him, uh, is also in Shameless. So yes. I watch Shameless like there's no tomorrow. Like Emily Rosslyn is awesome. Um, that's all I have to say about that. But uh, Joker fifty two. That that's going to be. I, I, I know you were kind of like, oh yeah, you were going to see how you know his version of the Joker was going to be, and you could see him becoming that character, and then they killed him off. Well, then you know, surprise, he's coming back because that's what the Joker does. Yes, that's what he does. Plus, and I don't know if you've watched 
how far in Gotham you are. Not, Not that far, but you know that you know up to that point. You, I know. You know what's I know going the on. Lore. Well, I mean, they way. they have in in season two. He and I actually, I, I had him watch an episode with me. Um, I haven't watched this in season one. But like, it was, guys, I missed all of season two. It was, an, that point. it was an episode of season two, and and they had an encounter with Doctor Strange, who was reanimating people. Huh. So, something like that could have come along. I don't know. Huh. I don't know because I haven't I haven't watched any of this season yet, but yeah. I did see that that he was coming back as the Joker and I he he started to become a decent Joker. That's why I was kind of sad when they killed him off. But then they said, "Oh well, the Joker will live on just by the way like because now he, the way he was is now in people's minds. And now everybody's going to have that piece of him, something like that. And if he's actually coming back in the physical form, it's even better because that's like I said, that's what the Joker does. That's what you wanted to do. Yes." And all right, so I know I asked you that question, but all right, so Chris, best Joker ever, animated or movie? That's a tough one, isn't it? It is when you when you incorporate the animated and the movie. Yes, and I have to pick one. You don't it's have to pick one. You can you can line them out. Because I'm such a fan of Mark Hamill, okay, Joker. Like like that's what I grew up on. So the Mark Hamill animated um, and Troy Baker did it one one time for, I think, um, Arkham Knight for just a little snippet and for Injustice. Uh, after that, Mark Hamill went back and did it for The Killing Joke. Yeah. Um, but his delivery of the Joker is just insanely awesome. No, he plays a great, crazy person. <laughs> and the trickster. Well, yeah, and we, he, um, we had him... Watching the animated series when he was a kid, so I mean, he, that's what like you said. That's what he grew up on. I grew up on that. So I would definitely say Mark Hamill, number one, and then I would go with uh, Jack Nicholson, number two. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Where they get a load of me. Yeah, I like that. I like the Joker. And then Ledger. And then Ledger. Ledger would be three. And then uh, Cesar Romero. Yeah, Cesar Romero. <laughs> okay. You got to put him in there. I mean, he was like the original Joker. Yes. Yes. I, I Caesar, and it, the only thing is, he was a product of his time. Now you have so many better things. That's what it comes down to. It's just better. You know, acting better, CGI, like more believable storylines, things like that. So it's that's, yeah, for, that's for what it was then. Yeah, it was but, great. If you're watching that now, like like me, like I'm younger, I, I didn't watch it back then. But you have to put yourself in that mentality of okay, this is this is was this was what it was back then. This was TV, so you have to see how he does how entertainment and tv was back then so i just have to point something out again we so we talked about x-men and and amazing spider-man so what channel were they on they were on fox yeah so what channel was batman the animated series on on fox fox so there's something fox studios knows how to do it i mean granted the the dc universe is warner brothers but you know fox distributed it so they know how to deliver some type, you know, whoever was, you know, had the reins of Fox Studios as far as their afternoon programming. Because I remember Batman on uh, Monday through Thursday at 4, 4.30 on on Fox 29. Well, Fox just snaps up all the stuff that they know the kids are going to like. They snap that Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, like all that stuff. Digimon. Pokemon. But they ball. But they had all those. And you think about it, they had... You know, the Batmans and the Ninja Turtles and the Ghostbusters and, you know, stuff like that back in the day. What's up, Dirk? Oh, Disney Dirk. snatched up Pokemon now. Oh, yeah, because well, Disney Yeah, because now they're on like they Disney XD. Up. Yeah, Disney XD. Disney the, the, the XD. And then on top of that, they also shipped them out to uh, Netflix as well. So they're getting that double money. Yeah, well, they don't. Yeah, but Netflix still, doesn't have everything, though. But still, meanwhile, continuing X, Y, and Z on Cartoon Network because they had to finish that season. Yeah, but they aired Sun and Moon before X, Y, Z was over. 
So how'd you like that little intro with Emma talking about Pokemon? That was uh, <laughs> that was fitting. It was very fitting. It was fitting. Pokemon's awesome. It's great to see that the younger generation can appreciate something. It's not that old, but it's something that it's dude. It's it stood the years. It stood old. the test of time. It has. It stood the test of time. Like he he still plays. Like the old games, you know, he he came, he's played them all. Him and his boys have played them all. The emulators, man, you can play them on your phone. That's what I mean. Like, that's it's still something that's out there. It's it's still something that's relevant. Like Mario, it's one of those things. Like they don't just don't go away because time allows it to. Yeah, some of these other games will eventually fade into oblivion. Like the Call of Duties, like the new news Call of Duty always comes out. And everybody else forgets about the old ones until they start coming out with a couple they, of shitty ones in a row, and then they give you the remastered Modern they give Warfare. You the remastered one, yeah, because uh, I've been playing that religiously. Yeah, I have we, not, I've only played one match of the Infinity Warfare, and I've been playing the uh, the Modern Warfare remastered religiously. Oh, well, we we were playing with our friends last night playing Modern Warfare, and yeah, it's so much better than Infinity than Infinity Wars. I. Uh, Infinity Wars, it's just it's more, Infinity Warfare. Just because it's more realistic, I feel. The jetpacks and everything gets a little crazy. Well, yeah, it. it's it's not only that; it's they're running out of things to do. It's, just go back to go back to you know. I mean, I understand visiting the well so much, but like you have so many other storylines that you could be touching on that you're not. What happened to the? Give a perspective from the Russian bloc from World War Two or World War One, for that matter. Give an insider spe- a perspective of. No, I know Mafia Two did it for when during the intro. No, honey, I know Mafia Two did it for the intro, but you know, where the Italian mob helped quell the rebellion in Italy. Yeah, well, and you know, Assassin's Creed has done it too. Going back and doing, you know, their effect on certain wars and blah blah blah, and I, I, I think that's what you're. The problem is, you know, Ubisoft and all these other Call of Duty creators, they would rather try to come up with their own things and build upon that than, you know, go back and do the same things that everybody else is doing, or, you know, they they, they get too cute with it and. It kind of takes away from what everybody wanted Call of Duty to be, which is why a lot of people like Battlefield better. You know, so it's... There you go. This was me last night. This was you last night? You wrecking shop? Oh, I was. Um, that match, I I went... Uh, where does it show? Oh, it doesn't show it. Um, team Heart... Uh, you know, Team Deathmatch Hardcore. Um, I went uh, 25 and 12. Nice. Right. Which is, you know, and my last 10 kills were all kill streaks. So, oh, really? <laughs> so I got the UAV, I got the helicopter, got the, well, I got the airstrike, and then got the helicopter. But uh, but they were all sniper rifle, eight kills in a row. Nice. So you're one of them dudes. No, no, just for that match. Right. Just for that match. I found a spot that everybody was kind of funneling through, and I was just like, yep, I'm going to switch to Sniper. That's what I did. I just run around like a chick with my head cut off Same. and just kill whoever I find. You can't really do that in, in hardcore, though. Cause no, you can't do no, it in hardcore. No, in hardcore, you got to... You actually got to play. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I would prefer Modern Warfare over Infinite Warfare. But the... I did play the campaign for Infinite Warfare, and it was pretty decent. Just playing clips now. Oh, this was Search and Destroy. I was uh, the last man standing. (laughs) Nice. There you go. Cool. Hardcore is better because you can actually kill people. <laughs> they die easier. Yeah. And no health regeneration. Exactly. All right. So feel free to call in 
Uh, if you're if you're on Facebook Live, you can call in four eight four seven one two zero zero six seven. Uh, we can take phone calls. We can take uh, uh, topics. You can also text that number, 484-712-0067, and we can be, uh, uh, answer any questions that you have. You can do that at any time, too, and then we'll eventually get to it in one of our next segments, right? Anytime. Yeah, so it's not just when we are doing it because we won't be live every time we do it. But yeah, hit us up. On all the uh, other social media platforms as well, too. All right, Chris, I know you're you're a guest here, so won't you uh, give a little snippet about yourself, uh, what you do for a living, and uh, what your interests are? Talk to the people. <laughs> well, I am currently a chef at CJ's Custom Catering and Cafe. In King of Prussia and Fort Washington. Uh, I like to play video games. Obviously, we just talked about that. I'm a huge Steelers fan, even though I'm based from Philly. I know I get crucified every day, but just the way it is. Um, Huge Superman fan. I love DC, but that doesn't mean I don't respect Marvel and, and enjoy the Marvel movies. I think they're great. Um, I love wrestling. Passion ever since I was five. Just not ever physically and athletically fit to go and pursue it. That's all. <laughs> I coach football when in season. My high the high school football coach, offensive line coach for Bishop McDevitt High School. So whenever I'm. During those times of the year, I'm probably the busiest, and I don't have time to even breathe. So, <laughs> so you brought up an interest that uh, we always talk about pretty much at the end of uh, the podcast that we do. Wrestling. 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 So, pay-per-view. What did you think of Roadblock? End of the line. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Adequate. Wasn't great. There were some decent matches, but overall, it was, just, it was forgettable. Best match in the night. Sasha. Sasha and Charlotte. I think that was a really good match. Second one? <sighs> See, I think Seth Rollins or Chris Jericho is the best match of the night. That, that's that's my Char- second one. Charlotte, Sasha, second. That's my second one. So what do you think of uh, the New Day losing the titles? Good. About damn time. No, really, it is, and I actually was saying that it was it was going to go to Sheamus and Cesaro. Yeah, you called it. So it's, once they won the the right to face them at Roadblock. Yeah, I said they were going to win it, and it's, it's good because now you can actually have the new day not as front runners. You can have them actually trying to climb back up the ladder to get those belts back. Yeah, exactly. You have a, you have a different storyline for them now, except instead of everyone coming out and challenging them. They can be fighting through tag teams, building their way back up. Meanwhile, you have Sheamus and Cesaro still doing their thing. Well, it gives them both storylines, too. <laughs> it gives them a storyline because they had nothing. No, they that. they really didn't have anything to, to grasp on because, you know, you know, 483 days. <laughs> yeah. We're talking SummerSlam last year. Yeah. And to have them now... They still have to do the rematch, and they're going to lose that match. Right. But the following after that, they have to then climb up the ladder. Is it now time that Enzo and Cass get a push at the belts? Do you think it's too soon for that, or do you think that's more of a WrestleMania thing? I would like to say it's a WrestleMania thing. But I'm also hearing rumors that the tag team in NXT, who just lost the belts, the Revival, that they're going to be getting caught up soon, and they might be getting the the belts. The problem is... But they they haven't done that with any tag teams yet. Come straight up, win the belts, done. No, because the problem is that every tag team they've brought up has been trash. Except for Enzo and Cass. Except (laughs) for Enzo and Cass, yes, but... 
think they're more of a vocal act than anything yeah. else. And no. they're they're decent in their own right. They have Enzo just gets his ass beat every week, and and Big Cass somehow gets trapped in the not being able. Now, to see, I have to I have to slightly disagree with that. Okay, the reason why I have to do that is because when it's just Enzo, the match is conformed to where they're going back and forth. Yeah, he might be on the end, the end where he loses, but majority of the time, it's going back and forth, and it's a relatively clean win or loss, whatever you want to call it. But when it's those two combined, yeah, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. Because mm-hmm. you got to make Big Cass look strong. I get it. you got to make the big man look like a big man. Yeah, but at the same time, like I said, like there's not much talent in the tag team. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to put teams together like Rhino and Heath Slater and Sheamus and Cesaro. These tag teams that you brought up should be taking the reins like uh, Ascension. What the hell happened to them? No they were awesome in NXT. Yeah, and then they came up no and they're trash. Even, uh, what's we called? Uh, well, I wouldn't really say no personality because if you look at them when they were getting swerved... That was pretty damn funny. Yeah, but I mean, why aren't they incorporating that? Because you're talking about people who are writing for them and yeah. not pe- not not them acting for themselves. They got to have that's the biggest problem. They got to have the intestinal with. fortitude to actually speak up for themselves, and they're not doing it because they don't want to get fired. And Anderson and Gallows are awful. I don't like them at all. They they they're nothing. They don't. They, they're nothing they, without the club. They don't yeah, fit the model whatsoever. No, they, they don't, don't fit it at all. They don't. If they would have kept. Them with AJ Styles, okay, I could have seen them having some success, maybe becoming champions at some point. But their their styles tired. It's I don't want to hear them talk anymore. I don't. <laughs> it's it's not interesting. It's, it's not me. even the fact that it's they're, annoying. That they're heels and we're supposed I to hate them. I can't get behind the like, person that no. was Festus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're welcome. <laughs> but it's. The tag team division's been weak for a while, which is why you have a team like the New Day, who is a gimmick. They were originally a gimmick, a gimmick stable that ended up becoming the longest reigning tag team champions because and they were they were a trash gimmick to begin with. They were, they were like, they just they, the New Day were just three guys. And if you look on the WWE Network, nine ninety nine a month, you're welcome for the free promotion, brother. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> Man whore, uh, <laughs> but uh, on the on the segment tables for three, uh, they have uh, they talk about how the original the original inception or like what was supposed to be the new day was not what it is now, and that's how it usually works in the WWE. You get like you get a shit idea, and you have to you have to make. You have to polish the turd. Well, weren't they originally supposed to be the next uh, nation of domination? I thought that that was originally what they were supposed to be. They were going to have them come out and be like the all black, you know, black power. We're stronger than you. Now, from from what Xavier Woods says, you know, Austin Creed, well, from what he says is um, it was more of like, you know, you know, we're here for you. We're going to be positive for you. You know, we're Phoenix out of the ashes kind of thing. And that's why they kept that power of positivity kind of thing from 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 their original idea. I do like that though, but you you actually saw, you know, they were not happy about losing the belts, and it, even though they came out and they were still positive, you could see when they were walking through the back. You know, usually when they're high fiving people and dancing and stuff, yeah, like that, they're, they're, they had that little bit of solemn attitude, and yep. it worked. I liked it. It worked because it shows. Yeah, they're positive, but they're still kind of upset that this this happened. That they got their yeah, record. They had that somber kind of, you know, very very low key, melancholy kind of attitude behind it. And they play off each other very well. It's not like you, they like when they first came in, they were obviously three individuals that all had their own idea of what it was to, to be a WWE superstar. And then they realized this is working. They can play off of each other instead of battling each other. And once they learn how to do that, they became great. And everybody loves them. <laughs> so I mean, it's it, it's the, they're the only thing that they really have going in tag team, and that's both brands at this point. I mean, they're trying to build out the Wyatt family. Yeah, but give them some. And then what happens? Power and stability. And then Randy Orton's eventually going to turn on them, which we all know. And then what happens? 
I, know, cause I also heard rumors that Eric Rowan's going to get cut on the next layoffs. Yeah, I can see that. He really doesn't do anything for me. Luke Harper is at least really athletic. Eric, Eric Rowan's just a big, big body. A big body with that uh, orange, oh, what, the uh, the green jumpsuit wedgie. Yeah, the green jumpsuit <laughs> wedgie and the uh, right. the ginger Luke, beard. Luke Harper looks like he has dip all over his beater every sure every does. week. Luke Harper probably hasn't washed that shirt since he came into <laughs> WWE. Probably hasn't washed his beard since he came into WWE. You have to wash your beard, otherwise it'll look like dreadlocks. <laughs> Trust me, I know I have a beard. So... Other like other highlights of Roadblock. Anything that you can point out? I mean, Charlotte and no. Sasha, they, they left it out there. there. There really weren't any other highlights for me. I mean, every like I said, everything was just like, okay, cool. That was it was nice. I mean, I Good fell match. asleep at the Owens. Good match. I fell yeah. asleep at the Owens. I didn't match. even watch it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's it was a forgettable pay per view. You knew there weren't it wasn't going to be anything crazy happening as far as belts being given back and forth. You know. Kind of figured Charlotte would win it back. They're doing some kind of weird thing where she always wins at pay-per-views. And I don't get it. Yeah, they're especially, doing... Especially because Bailey, she's going to have a few with her now. So that's obviously going to mean that Charlotte beats Bailey at the next at Royal Rumble. And then, they're trying to and make her... win at, at WrestleMania. Undefeated at pay-per-view. Yeah. Undefeated at pay-per-view. But then ultimately... Losing the base. Well, that's something media. to look up. Here you go. Look this up. How many wins does Ric Flair have at pay-per-views? Because we might be able to tie this in. I don't know. Because if... Solve the puzzle right here. If we can... If live. We can, yeah, if we can solve <laughs> this live. You know, we're doing it live. Um, because that would be... I don't uh, think he ever had that kind of gimmick, though. Like, no, no, but but, but just to say that, you know, just to give that storyline that Charlotte Flair is better than her father. Yeah. I mean, they're already giving her the, the count count of titles. I mean, she's got... She got four okay, now. pay-per-view. He has won 55. All right. Lost 59. So he has lost over 50% of his matches. Is that just and there's WWE three WWE? three draws. No, that's all time. His WWE record all time is 81, 7, and 93. His WWF record was 31, 3, and 31, which is really weird. And his WCW record... Was 147, 13, and 109. Holy shit. So. It's been a lot of pay-per-view. He has. Well, no, that's not all pay-per-view. That's just like all-time matches. Like uh, it doesn't. It just gives it you. It doesn't. It just it gives you how many pay-per-views. Pay-per-view. Like if he's won. He won 55 and lost 59 and three were draws. Of pay-per-views all-time. Non-pay-per-view. 250, 32, and 214. So he has a winning record all time. Of all time. Of all time. But WCW was where he had the majority most, of it. Yeah. The right. And, and well, WCW what about still NWA? counts as and, well, WCW. WCW yeah, I mean, was. NWA they didn't really have pay-per-views. They just had highlight broadways. Uh, they don't even really have. NWA turned into WCW. Yes, yeah, it did. Uh, NWA. So he was 20, 26-4-19 in oh. NWA. NWA UWF, he was 1 0 and 0. 1 0 and 0. 1 0 and 0. But, you know, he's also TNA. He's 2 1 and 8. He lost eight matches out of 11 in TNA. So, I mean, that's what I well, mean. Well, when he went to TNA, he was already his, he was already near his retirement age or past it. Well, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he already yeah. had his retirement match against Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he did. But he just needed the money because he was broke. Yeah. I remember him uh, talking that, about that. All that wheeling and dealing. Yeah. <laughs> Style and profile. Limousine riding. Jet flying. <laughs> Jet flying. Woo! Woo! But that's, that might have something. 
if he really didn't have that good of a record in pay-per-views, below 500 in pay-per-views, that might be something they're trying to make up for with Charlotte. Yeah, I was just trying to connect the dots somewhere. It's either that or just... Makes sense. The first five years of Charlotte's career are going to be more title reigns than the first five years of Flair's. Well, maybe they think because she's still riding his coattails, even still riding his coattails, that they don't think she's going to have that long of a lifespan, like a, a long shelf shelf life in, in WWE. Hmm. And people, if you think about it, people like when it comes to the females, they like the underdogs. They like the Alexa Bliss, the Becky Lynch's, you know, Nikki Bella's kind of tired at this point as, you know, kicking ass in WWE. Nobody wants to see Nat win. No. People like to see, okay, yeah, you're still a pretty face, but you can still kick some ass. Like, Nia Jax would destroy anybody in that division. In a heartbeat. Like, in a heartbeat. There's no question about it. Like, some of these girls are the size of her leg. That's not even. That's not. I'm not even knocking I think her. Alexa Bliss is the size. I'm not even knocking her. She's just a really big, strong woman. So I mean, in all actuality, she's a former model too. Yeah, like, that, that's the. She's not bad looking. She's big. Like she's big and strong. Like, I'm not really, you know, digging on her like that. But she's not a bad looking woman. But in all actuality, just like if you put all these guys up against like Braun Strowman, he probably would. Beat ninety nine out of a hundred of them, you know. You put all these women up against Nia Jax, she probably would beat all of them. The only one that would actually have any any would be Charlotte. Would be Charlotte or Tamina Snuka, but she's not doing it anymore. So, yeah. Well, ever since her father got diagnosed with stomach cancer, yeah, 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 she dropped out. But and so in WWE, yeah, that's a that probably yeah. didn't help her cause very much. No, right. So, but I mean, like that's. That's what you you have. So there's only so many people that are going to be like, oh wow, cool, great. You know, this women's division. It's you don't also don't want to see a bunch of little girls kicking each other's ass either. So you need that kind of diversity. But I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte's going to be played out soon. I see that. As good as she is, they don't use her right. Now, like, what is her finisher? Like the natural selection? I don't like that. Natural selection, great, and then she does the. I don't like that. That's the figure four. She's a she's a husky built woman. She needs to do like power bombs or like do the figure eight more or something. But you can't play strong style with someone with when your opponent is real thin. You just can't. Well, Why not? But a little, but a little flip. Behind her to in front of her, that's not convincing for me as a finisher to put her someone away. I don't know. It's, it's the same thing. Know, that's just that's just for me. Well, it's it's the same thing that Hulk Hogan said. He said, you know, I when I came in, I was you know six foot ten, you know, two hundred, three hundred something pounds, and I always talked about the twenty four inch pythons this set in third. Why wasn't my finisher like a sleeper hold or something to do with my arms? He said, my dumbass goes and does a leg drop and destroys my back and hips. <laughs> instead of and that's what he's saying instead of playing to what his actual assets were, he went and did something like that which it was still cool, everybody liked it, it still worked. But, you know, if he would have had something like Lex Luger had the torture rack because he was massive and for that and for built that, up top. And for that short little stint he had that elbow. Yeah, he did. And using his upper body. You know, Charlotte doesn't use her body, like natural selection. Like he said, I don't believe that as a finisher. If if she had some sort of like a rock bottom type move or, you know, a power bomb, something like that, that's more believable. Also, you can't have her power bombing these 100-pound girls all the time either. Like something no. like an FU or like an F5, something like that, where she has them up on her shoulders and does some kind yeah, of Yeah, but move. the women have already demonstrated, like, and we're going back to Nikki Bella, she's like, you know, doing what they call, you know, the rack attack with, with Nikki Bella. She damaged her neck doing that. Yeah. And that was just, you know, 100, 120, 130 pounds. But doing that over a course of how many years, you know, she had to have surgery on her neck. Well, that's like they, they banned, uh, 
What was Seth Rollins' move? Curb stop. Yeah, they 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 banned it because they were afraid of guys getting hurt and he he getting him getting hurt. So some of these, if they're too high risk, they don't want them doing it. So that's why you see all the women. Yeah, but he was more he was more high risk with all the acrobatics that he did. Yeah, instead of instead of like just putting your your foot on somebody and just you know and letting them fall. Yeah, I I don't know, but it's. That's why you don't see guys doing the flying headbutt anymore. That's why, you know, when Daniel Bryan came back for that little bit of time, all he did was the kicks. He wasn't doing any, like, his really high-risk maneuvers anymore because these guys are getting hurt doing a lot of them. Look at Finn Balor. Finn Balor, the guy could have destroyed his career. He got hurt at the wrong time. Yep. He, they, they were planning on putting one of these brands on his back and just rolling. And just cruise control. Yeah, and that he was gonna be the next face. Because even if he doesn't go over as universal, he still has the cruiserweight ability. Just like they brought Neville back right at the right time for the cruiserweight. Yeah, that's gonna work because now you have a badass in the cruiserweight division. He's 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 the Billy Kidman. He's gonna be the Billy Kidman with with a lot more high flying ability. Don't get me wrong, but he's gonna be the Billy Kidman of the cruiserweight division. Him and Kendrick. Him and Kendrick, yeah, definitely. definitely. He came back from that neck surgery not too long ago, but then he was gone for months. So I'm thinking maybe they made him cut like some fat weight because he still looks husky. He looks like he's oh, yeah. huskier than he's, he's ever been, he's, he's, but he's like, he also looks toner, so maybe they made him cut weight because he's like, yo, 205, but now he's 205 of pure muscle. He's like <laughs> he's like a miniature um, Wade Barrett. Like he has the same type of body build. It's crazy. There's someone that I miss. Just that whole Wade gimmick. Barrett. Yeah, we were just talking about him the other day too. That whole got gimmick. some bad news. I'm afraid I got some bad news. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah, they, even with that shitty gimmick, he made it gold. Well, they you could because they kept him relevant in your mind even when he was hurt because he would come up from the big podium and give his bad news. Yeah, but they kept him relevant in your mind, and then as soon as he came back, he won the Intercontinental title, and everybody loved it. But then they realized that he wasn't that good of a wrestler. <laughs> so they well, took I it. mean, as with everything, like your intro, like a lot of these wrestlers that have that impact, like because he came in with the Nexus, right? Yeah, he and was the, he was the leader. He was the leader in the Nexus with. With uh, he was Ryback was in it. Uh, Wyatt was in it. Riot, yeah. Well, yeah, Wyatt was yep. in it. Um, before he was Bray Wyatt. Otunga was in it. Yeah, yeah, David yeah. Daniel Bryan was, was in it. it. He uh, Slater was in Curtis it. Curtis Axel was in it. Yeah. Because then later, Curtis Axel and Otunga teamed up, and they were a tag team. Yeah, I mean that was, but you know him. I mean he's changed his his uh, finisher. You know, twice he went from using the wasteland to using the elbow. Like, I can understand using him using the elbow because he's a you know, you know, bare knuckle brawler. Right. I can understand that. The, the wasteland was kind of like a modified fu. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But that's the thing. There's only so many finishing moves that you can actually have without taking something that somebody else did. But. In the case of Charlotte Flair, her doing things that it just doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. Now, she's a really good wrestler, but as a finisher, that, that doesn't work. And I, I don't like that they keep having her basically be Ric Flair 2.0. I don't. Like, okay, she's a heel. I get it. She can be her own heel. She doesn't need to be Ric Flair. I don't know. That's just my opinion. What do you think? I think she, she she is doing her best to not be, but she doesn't want to lose the homage to him. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, she's in that in-between right now because WWE wants to make her pretty much the women's Ric Flair of the old. But she also wants to make it her own. But she's fluctuating because she doesn't know how to make it her own, but still pay homage. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, 
So I like a, the way she panders to the get, crowd. But I the like thing the way is she, she gets she, better every week. And that just goes to her athletic ability. You know, it's it's speaking volumes of the 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 things that she can do, the things that she puts her body through, as, along with Sasha. But her uh, ability to be able to, you know, love to hate her grows grows more and more. Yeah, it does. And I see, week. I see shades and glimpses of, her, you know, her stepping out and not being, as Jim says, two point out, Ric Flair. There's there's shades and glimpses of it, but then, you know, me being old school, you know, watching wrestling since '83. I've before Flair. I was born. You're welcome. You know, before Flair, you know, you know, seen Flair, seen Dusty Rhodes, seen all those Broadways, you know, and then when AWA became WCW and WCW, WCW, <laughs> Ted Turner, yeah. Ted Turner ball it called WCW. And watching all those matches, and then watching the '90s version of Flair, and then watching when he came into WWE, it's been a lot of literations of Flair, but they all had that same overtone to him. And now I see that in Charlotte, and then I also see her being herself in that role, like she's embraced it because you know you got to get paid. No, yeah, definitely. But at a certain point, when does she have her own version of creative control? That is the question. She might not ever. <laughs> That's the problem. A lot of these wrestlers don't. They don't give many of these guys freedom. They give Chris Jericho freedom because whatever he does is gold. Well, it, you know, he's been that doing it for so long. Give Cena freedom because he's not going to do anything other than what he's always done. It sucks. The art, the art of cutting a promo. So, who would you say knows how to do it? And wrestler, manager, or right now, right now. I mean, Enzo and Cass cut pretty decent promos sometimes. Sometimes, not consistently, but sometimes. Well, I've 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 heard on on. The Steve Steve Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast that uh, Enzo uh, Enzo never writes down any of his promos. He keeps them on his head. So what he said, what he's thinking, and what he's saying is pretty much it is it is semi rehearsed, but for the most part, it's ad So, and he says he has a thousand promos ready to go at any given time. And watching him speak live on air. You you can believe that because of the way he talks and the way his personality is. But after that, I mean, Jericho knows how to cut a promo. But Seth Rollins is probably the best right now at being able to cut a promo because he he he's believable with all everything he says, and you know when he when he acts like a little bitch, you really believe that he's he could be a little bitch, and then when he acts like a tough guy, you believe that he could actually be a tough guy. So, yeah, Seth Rollins has that uncanny, uh, uncanny ability to be a weasel, right? And to to back his shit up, even when he's a weasel, you can he can still back his shit up. True, very true. AJ Styles can cut a promo too. Like he's he's probably the best talker that they have across the board right now. Like he, anytime he's in the ring, he he just commands your your attention. You want to hear what he has to say. You want to hear what he has to say because his actions speak louder than words, so yes. his words become more valuable. Exactly. Perfectly put. You? I'm, I think I should break it down into sections. All right, so I'll, I'll break it down for you. Manager that can cut a promo, because I've asked him this question. That's easy. Manager that can cut a promo? Yes. I mean, of course, you have to say Paul Heyman. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. He's 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 the best you got, and that's why he's pretty much the only manager you got that talks. Like right. the Miss has Marie, she don't talk. She she can't talk for him. He has to do all the talk for himself. So it's just little things like that. 
which th- I think they should bring back managers to be more, more of a thing. But yeah, manager, I would say Paul Heyman. Um, someone, believe it, or, believe it or not, I will actually say Lana. She knows how to incite a crowd. Just because you're not cutting at a traditional promo, promo, she knows how to incite a crowd. Oh, she gets fan reaction every time she comes out and says all the stuff against the United States. That's that's a given. But, I mean, you know that that's not her. No, it's not. You know, you believe that Paul Heyman is really that prick. Like he's that full of himself, yes, and he believes yes. in his his. He is that Jew. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. But like, you know, we're not politically correct here. Lana, Lana's good. Like, like you said, like she gets the crowd reaction, she gets the people going. But you know, Heyman's untouchable when it comes to that. Like, there's nobody better than him. Might never have been anybody better than him. And and if you if you ever follow, like the stuff that he does in the, in the background. Um, if you ever want to get any insight to that, you can follow him at Heyman Hustle. And uh, just some of the stuff that he does just when he's outside of WWE, like his marketing company. Like, guys knows how to market himself. He is a consultant for other companies to know how to market their companies. He does a lot. And, and that is impressive for someone who almost threatened, you know, the big dog. Back when he was running ECW, oh, he didn't almost do it. He did it. He did it. Vince just let him live. Let's be honest here. Well, yeah, I mean, he did borrow money from Vince, and, exactly. You know, so I mean, bankruptcy, exactly. So no matter what, like Heyman will always be in Vince's back pocket, no matter what, because he let him off scot-free on a lot of the shit that he used to say, a lot of things he used to do. Because he used to go against WWE like it was nobody's business. Everybody knows that. But for Vince to just allow him to assimilate himself into his brand and become one of his soldiers, so to speak. You know, when that moment happened, though, was when Vince McMahon called Paul Heyman to be the announcer because... They just released the king for the like what whatever time it was, right? Yeah, and ECW didn't officially close their doors yet. Like he had to leave; he didn't have any money to pay his wrestlers. So Paul Heyman made a deal with Vince McMahon, says, "Give me enough money to pay the bills, close the doors, pay the wrestlers, and I'll come work." And that's what he did. He was lawyer. He was more for him to do that, and for him to be more loyal to his talent. And he was not getting a paycheck. He was not taking any income from ECW. It was just all, it was all money that you know, was owed to him that he didn't get any money from the pay-per-views. The pay-per-view companies were stiffing him. The venues were stiffing him. And he, he was just still loyal to his talent. He ended up bringing half the talent over with him anyway because that was 2000, 2001 that happened because they had the whole invasion Storyline, yeah, the, the storyline they, they just bought WCW yep. too. Yep. So then Heyman came and he was with JR. So he so he was the Alliance guy. You bring in the Tazes and the Sabus and the Sandmans and the Ravens and RVD. Yeah, like it, and some of those guys actually stuck around Dudley and boys. still around, you know, for a little bit. But you know those those were the days where you know. Those independent guys were taking whatever they could get. Yeah. And you know And some were loyal down to down to the wire. And now it's totally different because the independents have gotten such a huge push because you see guys like CM Punk and AJ Styles, you know, and the R V Ds of the world, you know, getting their opportunities. Even the Daniel Bryans, you know, getting their opportunities with the bigger companies. And, you know, it it came down to they needed the talent. They needed these guys' talent. Like, now you're seeing, you know, you mentioned before, Ring of Honor getting a TV deal. That would never have happened if you didn't see these guys that have gone through there to Dean Ambrose's, you know, going out there and taking, you know, shots to the head every other night. You know, if, if these guys didn't go through that and pay their dues, you wouldn't have the brand of wrestling that you do now. And it's bigger now than it ever has been. It's Even, more mainstream. Now. It's more mainstream. Also... 
sometimes it sucks. <laughs> yeah, because you, know, you got to protect it. You got to protect the talent. You got to, you know, uh, the talent's not taking as many risks as yeah, you know, as the attitude error. Making business decisions. You know, you know, making business decisions as as we say, and it's relegated to every sport now. True story. And entertainment. Speaking but of the, Dean Ambrose, uh, I I would have to say Dean Ambrose is the best promo. For when they have to hype up their own match, absolutely. No, no one hypes up their own match better than Dean Ambrose on the roster right now. Well, because he, he mean, takes I mean, that unpredictable yeah, thing Seth to a whole Rollins, other level. Seth Rollins can cut great promos. Kevin Owens is a great actor. Chris Jericho has his little things that get people to get the crowd going and hype and everything like that. Dean Ambrose is the best. I really enjoyed best it. hype man right now. So the the whole Survivor Series skit with. AJ and the club, and then you know Ambrose and and uh, Shield. I I enjoyed that. That was, that, that, was oh, that, that was great. I love that. That, that was a moment that was just like I marked, I marked out a little bit. Oh, we're the greatest statement now. We're the greatest. <laughs> believe these yeah, they, guys. They, 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 they just walk up. You like, believe these guys? They walk away. Yeah, that was that was a good. I, I, mar- I marked out a little bit. That was like when DX came back a few yeah. years back. I, that 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 got me. But but I remember when he was when when Ambrose was still champion, uh, and uh, he he had that one line was was like, you know it's too bad you know, you know, it's the face that runs the place, but it's the face that comes in second place. Yeah, I remember that line because it was just like that was just like that was an awesome line. And that was he organic. Probably, that that was very organic. It was you could tell that it was just very. It, it gave you that that kind of glimpse into, you know. Like oh I'm they, have to do I, what I, have I to do. I believe that this could be a little bit personal. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, it had that little bit of a touch to it. Like you're taking you're taking my line, and you're gonna flip it, and then tell me how much I suck. Like no, nah, it don't work that way. Like, I, they, I I believe that that feud. If they gave Dean Ambrose a little more creative control, he would be the best, and that's not. You give any of these wrestlers creative control, a li- just a little bit of creative control, and they say have it. The where they, where they strive to be, where, where they, a lot of these wrestlers that had that in NXT, when when they were you know say develop your character, do what you want with it, and then you know, we'll take over from there. Yeah, I mean that that's that was the whole point of NXT, but you know when so when they get relegated to a certain subset of like all right so you're going to be this type of character because you know you were that type of character in NXT but where's the growth and then where's the writing behind it like we all know that Roman Reigns can be a badass i mean it, this is public knowledge that he has been physically arrested for assault and battery and it's it's on the interwebs you can go check no matter what but he's he doesn't have the mic skills, or he does have the mic skills. They're just relegating him into like I'm going to be the big dog. Like we already can believe that you can be that powerhouse. Won't you be something else? He needs to stop cracking jokes. He needs. You got to be a, be a badass. Only say a couple words, kick that dude's ass, and leave. That's what he needs to do. The problem that you run into is, yeah, there are some guys that have a really good creative mind and would probably push their characters and, and some other characters over the top. But if you you open up Pandora's box, if you give a couple guys creative freedom and not somebody else, well, why do they get to do this? Like, why why does this like okay, a guy like John Cena been there, you know, fifteen time champ. He gets a little bit of say as, as to what he does, which is why he's never done a heel turn, and he may never at this point. But you know, if you give a guy like Dean Ambrose too much creative juices, then you say, okay, well, why can't AJ Styles have it, or why can't you know Finn Balor have that? Like, what what determines who gets to say what and when? Like, who how how do you determine who gets more of a say in how their character comes about? And the way the direction of their storyline goes. But to that effect, though, why can't they just... Because now with the whole pay-per-views being split, one pay-per-view for this one, that one, why can't they just spend six weeks and says, okay, we're going to give you the basic premise of a storyline. We want you to fill in the blanks. That's your creative control. That's dangerous. 
How is that dangerous? It's dangerous because you, you then you have wild cards. You don't know what you're going to expect from these guys, and sometimes sometimes that can be great. Like back in the Attitude Era when they were doing all of, a lot of ad libs and you know had a lot of liberty with their storylines, you got things that were a little over the top. You can't do that now. That's why. Because but if they if they sector their their builds, it's like you have to hit these points. But in between, you have to show the connector. You and have then, to show the connector. And then what if it the fails? Connector. What if it fails? Then it shows it shows the creative team that they know what they're doing for that character than that character does. Okay. Well, you're Seth Rollins. Yes. And so far up to this point, we've had fairly decent success with your character as a heel and as a face, as part of a stable and a solo. Well, now we really don't have too much going on for you in the future. So here's a premise of a storyline. If you botch that, you might not recover. And that's the fear that they have with a lot of these guys. Whereas if they play their little safe storylines, oh, guess what? Royal Rumble Big Show is going to come and he's going to you know, kick a couple guys' asses, throw them over the thing. And then it's going to take four guys, five guys to get him over and eventually it's going to happen. But it's safe, and you know that you're still going to get the same reaction now that you did three years ago, that you will three years from now, with that character and with that storyline. For even if it's that that specific match, that's why they don't give too many guys this freedom because it's out of the safe zone. That's why. And if they you end up like you're you're a face guy like a Seth Rollins or a Kevin Owens, and they screw up the promo one time. Or they screw up a match one time and people just start to get down on these guys and they don't recover, then what? Then you have to find somebody to replace that. And that's harder. That's harder than to keep somebody going. That's why. That's why you, you see things going in the directions that they go. Safe. So, you mentioned Kevin Owens. Yes. So, him cutting that promo to the door was probably one of the best promos. Yes, I agree. In a long time, and it doesn't – the art of the promo is lost on a lot of the wrestlers, and they need to take a, take a hint from, you know, the subtle things that Dean Ambrose does, that Kevin Owens does. Look back. Look at Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Terrible in-ring wrestler. Cut great promos. Ted DiBiase, same deal. Like, they need to go back and look at guys like that that might not have had all of the, the skill in the world but knew how to talk and were still able to get over on crowds without the perfect ability to do so. They need to go back and look at guys like that and learn from that, not just look at Hogan and the way he did things and Ultimate Warrior the way that he did things because they were guys in their own right that nobody can touch because nobody will ever be able to do things the same way. A good example of that, Earthquake. Yes. Perfect. Back in the day when it was like Tuesday Night Titans. Sure. Yeah, I, I remember that shit, man. But and Saturday morning wrestling, it was it was awesome. That's what main watch. event used to be on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, man. And then uh, you believed that you know this guy's four hundred fifty pounds, and he can crush you by sitting on you. You believe that, like tugboat, who was also the shock master, which is the most funniest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> But they, they used earthquake, typhoons, and natural disasters. That worked. You know, because they knew that it was safe enough that it could work. I remember watching Demolition and being legitimately scared yeah. of how they were. Like, now granted, you know, you know, Repo Man, hello, <laughs> he was on Demolition. <laughs> Keep that in mind, everybody. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, when when I was a kid, like I'm watching this at like nine, ten years old, like I You're remember badass. Being, yeah, I remember you know being legitimately scared uh, of demolition. Like they were scary, especially with Mister Fuji in the in their corner. Exactly. So again, another manager. You you missed that little component, but yeah, like the the wrestling. He, he just over. he just passed. Mr. Fuji. Oh, yeah. And, and the people in the wrestling community were devastated because he had a lot to do with Demolition being the team that they were and being recognized for who they and were. Then, and then Yokozuna. Exactly. So uh, there's managers can only take you so far.
but a really good manager can get you there quicker. And a, a really good manager knows how to navigate the minefield. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially when you when you don't, because demolition weren't very good talkers. <laughs> no, they weren't. Because you, you watch you watch when they first were like their inception, and then you you see Mister Fuji being inputted into the into the be their mouthpiece, even yeah. though even though that his deliveries you know had that that uh, that flavor to that him. panache. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he, he, he reminded you of, like, you know, Goldfinger and James Bond. He and, really you know, did. And, he had that evil villain he had persona that, down. You know, he had that persona that, that and, you know, it, that was the time, the 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 times back then was just, you know, to have that, that ultra villain. Well, and that's what they said, too. Plus, you had, you know, the wars that were going on, you know, Vietnam and Korea were still, like, fresh in people's minds, especially that generation. With Russia and then, you know. Exactly. So I remember the Ivan Putskis and the Polish hammers. And you're, everybody's worried and, and, about and, communism. Oh, and yeah. It, you see those guys, like, they were, they were perfect villains for the time. That's yeah. why Rusev still kind of works. You because you, you never yeah. know what's going on with Russia. We're, or, or we're hot and, no pun intended, we're hot and cold with Russia every other day you know one day putin loves trump the next day is like ah, no, we could blow them off the map if we wanted to like so you know you never know what you're gonna get so um you know the feel good moment do you have any feel good moments i mean it's christmas time man that the, the whole holiday season itself is supposed to be a feel good time and you know just being able to Show your appreciation for your family, your friends, you know, even just people that you come in contact with. I, I saw a friend of mine was on Facebook, and he said he was in Target, and a lady just was walking around handing out Christmas cards to just random strangers. Handing out Christmas cards just to make you feel better for those that 10 seconds that you're reading that card. Somebody somebody gave enough of a shit about you to give you that card and to tell you that they want you to have, enjoy your holidays. So that's... To me, that's that's a really good feel good moment, and you know, just I hope everybody out there has you know safe, happy, healthy, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever you celebrate, and you know, a very prosperous New Year for everybody. So I saw uh, two stories. One of them was uh, Best Buy. I think it was in Dallas. Um, so this kid came in and played. Every day for for the past couple of days, I saw this one. Um, I think it was for the month that they played and they they displayed Nintendo Wii. Um, so the associates, oh, I think it was up in New York. The associates actually went and bought him a, his own very own Nintendo Wii. So kudos for that one. That was a very good, very good feel good moment. The other one was uh, a bunch of high school students. I saw that this morning. Um, so they found out that one of their one of their students, their fellow students, was wearing a size ten shoe, and he has a size, and he's actually a size thirteen. So they all chipped in and bought him for Christmas his own size, regular size shoes. I was literally smiling this entire video. Like I, this was really what got Christmas yeah, he was, for me. He was, was so ridiculous. excited. It was so nice to see how happy this kid was. And these are high schoolers too, so I mean the 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 future is not totally lost. It's not that bleak, people. There are still good people out there. They just they don't always get the recognition because people want you to see the bad things. And the in the art of, you know, we hear cyberbullying and and you know and naturally, I mean, you remember high school? I mean. My high school, I'm no one really. I didn't really give a shit what people thought. So, but there was people that got bullied. There was people that got in fights, and there was people that are naturally mean. There was also people that are naturally nice to you as well, and it's just in their nature. So, it's good to see stories like this, especially that young. And so, kudos to the parents of all the students that actually chipped in. I, I commend them for it. Yeah, the yeah the apocalypse isn't that close. Hopefully. Hopefully, we still got to uh, January twentieth of twenty seventeen to worry about that. Here we go again. Anyway, protect our ozone. 
It's the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, the we uh, we went a little overtime for the uh, the holidays because we probably won't do anything next week, and you're, you're going to split this into two separate podcasts. So if you're hearing this, it's probably the week of New Year's. So everybody out there, have a great, happy, healthy New Year. Let's uh, show some love for each other and stop all the bullshit. All right, everybody. Uh, everybody have a safe and uh, happy holiday. Um, I will be posting numbers on the uh, uh, in the comments of the actual episodes. Uh, you have any questions? Feel free to reach out to any of us. I will post our phone numbers uh, as far as the the number to reach Perjang or Wallhangers at any time. Um, feel free to give us a call if you need any help. We're here for you. Happy holidays, everyone! Thank you. All right, for my brother Chris Leahy, I am Jim Leahy. I am Christopher Bristow, and we're signing off. Have a, have a happy, happy holiday, everybody. Peace. And that you will do it for this week's edition of Projangers and Wallhangers. Uh, in other nerd culture news, uh, passing of Carrie Fisher has hit the community pretty hard. Uh, so rest in peace. Thoughts are thoughts and prayers are with your family. For New Year's, uh, feel free to reach us uh, on the Projangers and Wallhangers uh, Facebook page. Send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. All right. See you next year. Peace.